You are listening to episode 15 of the Almost Sideways podcast. On this episode, I am joined by Todd and Zach on location in Las Vegas, where we give our preview of the upcoming Oscar ceremony, as well as our top five Vegas movies. All this and more on the Almost Sideways podcast. Here we go. Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was going to say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. This is all totally not getting cut out. Yes! We are go for launch. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are here for a very special episode as something is happening that has only happened under 10 times really ever. And that is the three of us are all in the same room. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Terry Plucknett, and with me here is my brother, Todd Plucknett, and our buddy, Zach Saltz, and not only are we in the same room, but we are in Vegas, baby! Yeah, we are. We're in Vegas uh, for a, a, a little trip for a few days here. Uh, we've had some fun here the last few days. Todd, what has been your highlight so far? Well, not only is this only one of the less than 10 times that we've been together is also one of the less than 10 times that we both bet on Rhode Island and we actually won that bet. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so, uh, things are going pretty good, especially, uh, the, like one of the only two times I've ever bet on the ducks and rooted for the ducks and it worked out. So we're rolling. I won a poker tournament too. Yeah. Like, How'd you do in that tournament? No, you didn't. Okay. I, I didn't win. I took seventh. Um, it was, it was about 30 people. Todd ended up winning it. I took seventh. I really should have won. Todd thought I was going to win, but instead he had to win. I would have bet on Terry to win, but Zach was not I didn't participate. I I, did not participate I'm not sure that he actually believed that I won. Yeah. Zach, what is your highlight so far of the Vegas trip? It's got to be talking to Adam on the phone. No, it wasn't. Well, it wasn't. From the Red and Brown podcast. Yeah, shout out to the Red and Brown podcast. We've definitely been listening to that since we've been here. But my highlight was playing the poker tournament yesterday. I did not win any money, but I lasted 52 minutes, which, which is about 51 more minutes than I thought I would last. And, because and actually, I, think, I think it brings Zach's total time playing poker in his life up to 52 to minutes 52 and minutes. five seconds. And, and, and Todd said I was kryptonite. He couldn't figure me out. And actually, that was one of the great they, compliments of my life. We I had a five minute conversation with the Irish guy next to me about <laughs> Zach today he, he, because he was very he talkative. was that memorable playing with. <laughs> he helped me out. Dilly dilly. The real reason, well, not the the secondary reason we are uh, in Las Vegas is uh, the excuse that we use is that Zach is presenting a paper at a conference. Um, I think we mentioned it before, but he is uh, he is a PhD candidate in film studies. A paper? I didn't even know there's college around here. <laughs> so, uh, Zach, tell us a little bit about what your paper is uh, is about, and uh, and what you're gonna be talking about tomorrow. Horticulture. Well, it's on horticulture. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's not on horticulture. So, Jack Valenti wrote an, a spy novel in 1992 called Protect and Defend, and I wrote a paper all about it. it. It's basically a glorified book review where I basically ball bust his horrible writing because he has some horrible lines in the book. Like, literally, there's one line in the book where um, one of the main characters is trying to seduce a woman. <laughs> He's trying to seduce a woman. What, what music does he put on? <laughs> it's so bad. It is so bad. 
Barbara Streisand. <laughs> no! No, Jack! Anyway, that's my paper. So yes, we are we are in uh, in Vegas. It's going to come up again a little bit later when we get to another part of our of our podcast, our our uh, our uh, one of our standards that we're going to have. Uh, but right now, we're going to start talking about something that is coming up next weekend. It is really the highlight of our uh, of our movie fandom for the year every year, and that is the Oscars. Our next Sunday. Uh, it's the 90th annual Oscar ceremony, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. Which and you couldn't find a place to bet on here. Yeah, there's no place given odds for Oscar picks, because we would nail that. Um, so one of the things that uh, we are doing, once again, is the 10th annual Oscar challenge. Uh, go to almostsideways.com and sign up for that. Uh, see if you can beat us on all of our picks. We're going to be giving a few of them today. So we are going to do a segment here that is really inspired by uh, a couple of our heroes as we uh, are doing this podcast, and th that is Siskel and Ebert. I think anyone who tries to review and talk about movies uh, pulls some stuff from, from what Siskel and Ebert did. And what they would always do around Oscar time is... Uh, they would have a segment called If We Picked the Winners. So we're going to give our predictions here and also say who we, uh, who we think is the best in each category. So we're going to start with Adapted Screenplay, and we'll work our way up to the, to the top, the biggest one, which is Best Picture. So uh, in Adapted Screenplay, just for everyone so that you know, the nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay this year are Call Me By Your Name, Logan, Molly's Game, Mudbound, and The Disaster Artist. Zach, if you picked the winner, your favorite adapted screenplay of the five nominated, which one would it be? It would be Call Me By Your Name. And I think James Ivory will give the best acceptance speech at the Oscars. It's my okay. should win for sure, because it's a great movie. It's my number two of the year, so. So it's not only your should win, you think it's going to win. Yes, it, it is my should win and will win. I agree. Both okay. Yeah. Jumping the gun a little bit on there. Okay. All right, Todd. Uh, if you pick the winner, what would be your winner for best adapted screenplay? Uh, if I pick the winner, it would be Molly's Game because it's a better screenplay than Call Me by Your Name. But it also is written by Aaron Sorkin, and I also think he would give the best acceptance speech because he's given one of the best acceptance speeches I've ever heard, which was in. Uh, 2011. See, that's just straight up wrong. I think James Ivory winning, he's a 90-year-old guy. They're going to give him a standing ovation. Okay, but... They uh, give everybody a standing no, ovation they don't. at that point. I, th I think Molly's Game. Molly's Game is actually my overall uh, uh, winner for Best Adapted Screenplay. That it absolutely should win. Okay. Um, I also really like, uh, really like Molly's Game. Um, I'm kind of limited here, as I've only seen two of the nominees... Um, just to be a little different, I'm going to champion Logan. Uh, I loved Logan. It was one of my top films of the year. I think it is potentially the best written uh, superhero movie of, uh, of, of the last, what, 20 years when we've been seeing all these superhero movies come up. Absolutely. Um, it, I can attest to that. I loved it. Todd's, Todd's the odd man out. 
Tolkien's it's a, two a great and, movie. It's a two and a half star movie. I, I'm okay with it. It's two and a half stars. It, it's absolutely amazing, and I think it's I, I think it's impressive that they've decided to honor that as the first screenplay for a superhero movie to be nominated. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Logan is my uh, if I were to pick the winner, it would be pretty cool to see that win. So now that we've gone through what uh, what should win, what we would pick as the winner from those five, we're gonna now pick uh, if we were picking. Which film will we have made sure got into the top five that isn't currently there? So, Zach, uh, in adapted screenplay, what should have been nominated? Which should have been nominated for best adapted screenplay? I absolutely think that it should have been I, Tanya. Not a great choice. Uh, not a great movie. Number one, other than I did see that it was compared to Star 80 at one point, and I actually really liked the comparison. Yeah, you, you texted me about that, Todd. Yeah. Um, but my choice for what should have been nominated was Una, which is one of my top five <laughs> of the year. And clearly, by Zach uh, snorting just now, he doesn't agree because he hasn't seen it. But she hasn't seen a lot of good movies, so. Uh, Una is a great movie. It's a very talky movie. It is a it's, it's a based Todd on, movie. It's a based on a play. And yeah, it's a very Todd movie. I even admitted that. It's a great movie. And uh, the dialogue alone should have made it nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. But nobody saw it, apparently. I including is, uh, I including uh, Zach Saltz. I tried to rent it. I put in a good faith effort. But it's not at the video store in Lawrence. If I were picking the nominees, a film that I would make sure was nominated in Best Adapted Screenplay... Is the Last Jedi? Um, it is possibly the uh, most original of uh, of many of the star newer Star Wars films. I could say the the new wave with you can include the prequels in there. Um, it's it's a great story, great screenplay all the way through. Um, it's again one of my top films, and I thought the screenplay was great. I would have made sure that was in there and would have been nominated. So really quick. Best adapted screenplay. Zach, you said call me, what, by, your call me by your name will win. That's will your win prediction and should win. Yeah. Uh, for what will win, Todd? What's gonna win? Uh, will win will be uh, yeah. Call me by your name. And I say it will also be call me call me by your name. Okay. Best original screenplay now. So, Zach, if we were picking the winners, if you pick the winner, what would be the winner for best original screenplay? Let me give you the nominees. Best, the Best Original Screenplay nominees, this is a stacked category this year. Um, so Best Original Screenplay is uh, Get Out, Lady Bird, The Big Sick, The Shape of Water, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. What would you pick as the winner? My winner is Get Out by Jordan Peele. Awesome screenplay. So socially and culturally relevant in 2017. I love the screenplay. It's, it's witty. It's funny. It's serious. It's beautiful. Perfect, perfect screenplay in a stacked category. I would agree. All, all uh, four of those are really good screenplays, not three billboards. Todd, if you were picking the winner, what uh, what would you pick as the winner for best original screenplay? Uh, my winner is uh, Three Billboards Outside of Missouri. Unlike the person who just talked, uh, because it's a lot better than those movies that he talked about, especially Get Out. No, not especially Get Out, because it's probably my number one of the year. Todd, that is the irrelevant. Todd's number one is Get Out. Uh, Three Billboards Outside of Missouri is a great screenplay, and it is, has 
It has great dialogue and great characters and, and great uh, character development, uh, which uh, is kind of controversial to say, but it, that is my number one because it's it's just better. It's a better screenplay. And I like Martin McDonough a lot. All right. This is a very different category for me than Best Adapted Screenplay because for Best Original Screenplay, I've actually seen them all, so I can actually give an honest opinion about what I think should win. <clears throat> Uh, Three Billboards is a really good choice. Get Out is a very good choice. However, I'm going to pick probably the one that's just happy to be nominated, but one of my favorites, uh, kind of like what I what I said um, with Logan on the last one, I'm picking The Big Sick. I mean, it's such a great movie. Kumail Nanjiani does such a wonderful job um, bringing together this tragedy in this most hilarious way possible. Um, I think it's... Uh, it's it's something that everyone can appreciate and enjoy, um, and it's one of the uh, one of the greater achievements of the year is the screenplay for the Big Six. So I'm gonna go with that as my should win. Hard to argue with that. Really, really good screenplay. It is a good screenplay, and he's really good at ordering hamburgers uh, with slices of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a great multiple scene. slices of cheese. It's a great scene. Okay, Zach. Um, what film for best original screenplay would you nominate that isn't currently nominated? Okay, um, uh, Detroit. Um, Mark Bowles' script for Detroit. Amazing work of uh, history, historical uh, records, looking up um, this incident that is truly important in American history that really hasn't been examined. Um, it's a shame that this screenplay didn't get nominated. It's a shame it got completely shut out and ignored the Oscars. I would agree. Um, Todd. What uh what should have been nominated that wasn't? Uh, not a great choice on Detroit. Um, I actually, a couple of movies that had no chance were The Meyerowitz Stories and The Incredible Jessica James. But uh, the one that I think absolutely is a shock that didn't get nominated was Phantom Thread because I love not only that movie but that screenplay is absolutely brilliant and PTA gets nominated for everything and uh, that. It's just kind of crazy that I got nominated for Best Picture and did not get nominated for Best Original Screenplay. And, uh, yeah. That would be my choice for the one that did not, did not get nominated. We're going to do a really good job of making him really mad because my should have been nominated for Best Original Screenplay is Coco. The new Pixar film. Uh, it is, it's an amazing movie that uh, gives a lot of culture into, uh, into, uh, Mexico. It has a lot of heart. Um, it's it's absolutely incredible, um, and the screenplay is one of the things that does as they weave this story together. So, Todd, I don't care. Coco should have been nominated. I think these are three really good screenplays. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, and and the problem is, this category is so stacked that some of these movies that we're talking about didn't didn't even have a chance because. I mean, all five of these movies that are that made it, well, four of the five were Best Picture nominees. One of them was a dark horse to get nominated, so um, it was it was going to be hard. Okay. Yeah, if we're this... being honest, like, adapted screenplay pretty much sucked. Like, none of the good movies were adapted. Yeah, honestly, Call Me By Your Name is the only one that really... Yeah, the, like, really the, that is the biggest there. lock other than Coco actually winning an animated feature. Like, there's no other bigger lock than Call Me By Your Name winning... A, Adapt the screen. There's no other option. They had, I mean, yes. Molly's game is great, but it's not going to win. No. There's yet, no chance. Yes, it's cool that Logan got nominated, 
the only reason Logan got nominated is because there was nothing else to nominate. Right. I mean, that, that, that's right. really why why it got in there. And it, it um, made a lot of money, too. It, it did. It did. That, that always helps. Okay. Now, this is one of the more interesting ones. We're going to go around quick, just give our, our initial predictions of what we think will be announced next Sunday as the winner for Best Original Screenplay. Zach, what do you think? It's a toss-up between Get Out and Lady Bird. Um, I think Get Out will win. By 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 smudge. So Zach says, get out, Todd. I think uh, three billboards outside of Missouri will actually win the Oscar because I know how to bet. Okay, I think, um, I think it. I mean, it could really be any of them. I'm gonna say three billboards narrowly, um, narrowly edges Lady Bird for uh, for the best original screenplay. Um, okay. That, that will be an interesting one. That'll especially be an interesting one looking to what's going to happen for picture because... Exactly. exactly. It, um, it dictates what will win Best Picture, I think. In a lot of ways, it could. I think the winner of this category wins Best Picture. Whoops, I probably shouldn't have said that. So it, 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 it could. It really could. Because all of the contenders for Best Picture, and there's really, we've talked about in the past, there's like three or four of and them. And then watch like the Big Sick win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we're not, we're going to know nothing. But the four, yeah, the four films in this that are nominated for Best Picture that are also in Best Original Screenplay are the four that are really a toss-up right now for picture. Anyways, Best Supporting Actress. Going to Best Supporting Actress now. Zach, if you were picking the winner, who would you pick as the Best Supporting Actress out of out of Allison Janney for I, Tanya, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, or Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water? I would pick Mary J. Blige. Um, I think she's amazing in Mudbound. I think uh, she's not in a big portion of the movie, but her scenes when she's in it are so powerful and so real, and uh, she's awesome in the movie. All right. Todd, who would you pick as the winner here? Uh, none of them I actually really like that much, but I would choose, um, Laurie Metcalf. I would choose Laurie Metcalf. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Because I, I think that her, her mother character was a lot more, uh, believable than the character in, uh, I, Tanya, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I, obviously the movie is better, and she is better, and she, I think, has worked for a long time, and she deserves to win Best Sporting Actress, and I, I, she's better. I would think that she, I, I actually do like Leslie Manville quite a bit, but I, I would go with Laurie Metcalf. Alright, so out of, out of these five, um, I still have to see Phantom Thread and Mudbound, um, and I'm gonna have to agree with Todd on this one, though. Uh, Lori Metcalf for Lady Bird, I think, uh, is the best of the ones that I've seen so far. Uh, echoing a lot of what he just said, it's uh, it's an amazing performance. Um, it's such a such a real believable um, uh, uh, performance she gives, and such a great character that she had uh, to work with. Um, the scene with her in the car driving away from the airport is one of the most brilliantly acted scenes of the year. Um, and, uh, and she has so many subtleties to her performance that make it so believable and so great. So I would go Laurie Metcalf, uh, as my winner. I don't disagree with that. I feel like, 
I, I'm remembering Kevin Spacey at the 1996 Oscars when he when he gave Best Supporting Actress to uh, Julia Pinoche, and he said, a supporting actor is like someone, it's like the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland. You know, it leaves an indelible impression. And I feel like Mary J. Blige was unforgettable in the few scenes that she had in Mudbound. But Laurie Metcalf is a good choice, too. All right. Zach, who would you nominate that isn't already nominated? I think we know I your think, answer. I think everyone knows but, my answer. Uh, who would be nominated? I would clearly, clearly say uh, Brie Vanade from The Florida Project. One of the, one of the best performances of the 2000s, 2010s. All right. Uh, Todd, who would you nominate that isn't nominated? Uh, my Best Foreign Actress winner for the year is uh, Bridget Everett in Patty Cakes, which is an absolutely amazing performance, and Zach's reaction does not... <sighs> Better than me... Bria Vanate. It's one of the greatest performances in movie history, is Bria Vanate in The Florida Project. That, not true exactly, but uh, Bridget Everett is awesome, and uh, when she I sings... I Cakes. At the end of... At the end of... Patty Cakes, when she sings Tough Love, it is, like, the, one of the top five most emotional things I saw in all of 2017. It's a great performance and uh, a great movie, a very underrated movie. So, for me, my supporting actress that should have been nominated that wasn't is actually probably the one that ended up in, like, sixth or seventh place. Uh, I'm once again going to The Big Sick and talking about Holly Hunter. Uh, I absolutely loved her performance as uh, the mother to Kumail Nanjiani's future wife. Uh, she gives a very subtle performance at times. At times, she gives a very fearsome performance. Uh, she is one of the best actresses working, and when she gets a meaty, uh, meaty character like this, it allows us to realize once again how good she is. So Holly Hunter, The Big Sick, should have been nominated. I think we can all agree with that. I, I agree with that, too. It's a, it's a good call, Terry. All right, so really <laughs> quick, uh, we're going to give our predictions here. The funny thing about the acting categories <clears throat> is they're pretty much all over. Uh, there's really only one choice for m all the acting categories right now. So, Zach, who's going to win? Allison Janney. Todd is going to win. Laurie Metcalf. What? Ooh, Todd, oh, my God. going to the upset here. No way. It, it's it's going to be Allison Janney. Allison Janney's yeah, won everything. Yeah. We're going shock here. She even won the BAFTA. I mean, come on. Best Supporting Actor. Zach, who do you think should win the Oscar between Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water, Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project, or Woody Harrelson for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I think this is a clear winner. I think the winner should be Willem Dafoe. He's had a great career in Hollywood. Uh, the Florida Project is one of his best performances ever. Um, he's great in it, and he deserves it. Awesome performance. Todd? Uh, I think Sam Rockwell should win. Um, I have loved Sam Rockwell for a long time, maybe 15 years since I first saw Magic Man, and this is maybe his best performance, at least his best supporting performance. Uh, it's a, it's a, almost a clear-cut uh, uh, winner for this category, for sure. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, agree with Todd on this one. I haven't seen All the Money in the World. I haven't seen The Florida Project yet. 
Um, I've heard Willem Dafoe is outstanding. Um, I uh, I find it intriguing that they're honoring Christopher Plummer for uh, for his performance in in really a pinch hitter role to replace Kevin Spacey at the last minute. But Sam Rockwell, like Todd said, is absolutely uh, outstanding. Um, and like he said, I, I'm, I've been a big fan, and it's a shame it's taken him this long to finally get recognized for how good of an actor he is. Um, his character has so much depth to it, so much, uh, and grows so much kind of throughout in uh, the things that he does. So um, Sam Rockwell is who I think should win. Now You're blind, dude. Yeah, I know you hate that. Um, <laughs> Zach, who should have been nominated that wasn't? Uh, I think Army Hammer should have been nominated for Call Me By Your Name. Mm. Tremendous in that movie. And for a lot of people, that was a big snub, too. Absolutely was. I don't know why he wasn't nominated. He was amazing. Yeah. And you, we really, Woody Harrelson really got in over... I, I, I have over no idea him. why. No clue. Todd, what, uh, what should have been nominated that wasn't? Uh, I'm actually kind of 95% shocked Zach did not say Lil Rel Howery from Get Out. Ooh. That yeah, is, that's a good one. Not even low-key, like, Shit, absolutely, right. obviously, the best yeah, supporting actor yeah. performance and the most memorable character of any movie in... I actually walked up to the TSA. I, I, when I was about to fly to Vegas, I was like, do you handle shit? Huh. I didn't say that, but I wanted to. If I did... The get-out scene... Would, I would have given myself props. Would have been patted down. <laughs> I, I would have given myself props, yeah, and I would have been patted down. <laughs> But I had I got there early, so I was good. Wilmer Howery, absolutely the best performance by an actor in a supporting role in 2017. Nobody can argue that. Not even Zach. He wasn't even nominated for me, but he should be. I cannot believe that. Army Howard is a good choice, but Wilmer Howery, wow. Yeah. yeah All right. right. Good call, Todd. He was good. Not the best, and I'm going to argue someone that should have been nominated, that should have been recognized at some point, and was not at all. And Ray Romano. No. This is a movie that Zach has already mentioned once, um, and we've talked about how it was criminally ignored, and uh, my pick for who should have been nominated for a supporting actor, the best performance by a supporting actor this year, was Will Poulter in Detroit. Uh, he gave an absolutely amazing performance uh, in this villainous role um, as this cop that tortured these people for an entire night and um, really held them uh, illegally and got away with it. Uh, his performance was uh, chilling in how he was able to portray this, uh, this police officer. Absolutely outstanding. And I think unquestionably the best supporting performance of the year. Loki, Other than Loki, Loki, Jason, Howery. J Jason Mitchell was better in Detroit. No. Yeah. Will Poulter, man. He was good. In Dude. He was good, but I think that was the juicier role. I think Jason Mitchell's role was the more complex and multifaceted role. Tougher to play. High war performance. No one else has those eyebrows, though. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Alright. Um, again, this one is kind of in the bag. Zach, who's going to win? Um, unfortunately, Sam Rockwell. Todd. Uh, as uh, discussed by Zach and me earlier today, we actually think it's going to be Woody Harrelson. What the? <sighs> You're saying Laurie Metcalf and Woody Harrelson. We talked about this earlier. You don't have two upsets like that in, in, in a single ceremony. 
Is, uh, okay, is is that not Tilda Swinton and uh, Marion Cotillard? No. Yeah, okay, you got a point. Yeah, I do have a point. What's your choice? Who's going to win? It's Sam Rockwell. I hope, and I hope you're right. All of you, and Todd, Todd is well, Todd is Todd, losing it this here. Is, this is like, dude, wow. No, you're we talked about this earlier. Expert. We talked about this earlier. <laughs> you're supposed to did, be our Did we not expert. have this conversation earlier? I, you, know what, no, you know what? You know what's happening here? You know what's happening we here? Have to... Todd knows everyone's gonna go out and and do the Oscar challenge, and he wants to make yes. sure yes. that he gives the Good wrong culture. picks. And so he's gonna give Kyle Heck is gonna win these. anyway. <laughs> we know that Kyle Heck is gonna win, but Kyle, he's gonna pick Sam gonna Rockwell. Kyle is if gonna I win. Okay. No. Okay. So we we said Woody Harrelson because we can't actually see Viola Davis saying the name Sam Rockwell for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. We okay. talked about that's, exactly. That's sort of valid. That we talked about this. Either it was either earlier but that or is yesterday. Willem Dafoe. It's not going to be Woody Harrelson. No, there's no way he's winning. He's not. He was too understated, just like Daniel Day Lewis. All right, Best Actress. Um, Zach, who do you think should win for Best Actress out of these nominees? Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Margot Robbie for I Tanya. Meryl Streep for The Post. Sally Hawkins for uh, The Shape of Water. And Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. All right, here we go. Todd, you ready for this? I, yes. I think of those... If I were honestly an Oscar voter, Margot Robbie. I think she's tremendous in the movie. I, I think she had to get the athletic prowess to do the, some of those moves, and she had to get the right shape and figure, and she nailed it. She's awesome in that movie. She would get my vote. All right. Todd? Okay, none of them win? were good enough to be nominated for Best Actress, but the best of the five... Right, because they were nominated for Best Actress. ...was uh, Saoirse Ronan. Uh, I, I, I really... I'm not the hugest fan of the movie, but I really do like what Saoirse Ronan was able to do in that movie, and it's not just like an impression of Greta Gerwig, which it could have been, but... And in the last ten minutes it is. Apparently in the last ten minutes it is. Which I would probably know more than him, but I. <laughs> so Sharonin is my choice for who should win out of those five. All right, this is a category where I've actually seen all five of them, and honestly, I think outside of Meryl Streep, she's in there because she's Meryl she's Streep. Street. Um, the other four are so close. I think they're all so good. Um, I could I see your argument for Margot Robbie. Uh, I loved her performance. Amazing. I see the argument for Saoirse Ronan. She was um, a lot more understated than the others. Um, I love the Sally Hawkins performance in Shape of Water and what she was able to do, but I'm going to go with Frances McDormand in Three Billboards. Um, it is a role that really makes this movie what it is, um, and she is one of the only people on earth that could bring this role out. Um, I, heard, I saw someone online uh, said something recently um, that said, they said if Frances McDormand were a man, she would be remembered um, in the same breath as Robert De Niro as one of the best actors of all time. Why isn't she? She's already a great actress. Because, because it, she doesn't get the roles like someone like De Niro would get because she's a woman, she is, she's a woman but she's not your typical Hollywood starlet. She is... A, a true artist in what she does, she and because of that, she doesn't get the roles that a lot of um, a lot of people get. But whenever she does, and whenever she gets something great like this, 
she makes it something that is far beyond what anyone else could do. She did it in Fargo. She did it again in Three Billboards. Um, she's who should win. Zach, uh, who should have been nominated for Best Actress? That wasn't. I think, once again, we know what you're going to say. <laughs> but I have but I have a political agenda here. You you you, you have, Look, you, have a, only, you have a film to champion. Wait, only, we realize it. Political agenda on this or in... There are a few... There are few times when you can say that a seven-year-old is a genius and Brooklyn Prince in the Florida Project it's it's truly an amazing performance and she should have been nominated she wins my best actress awesome awesome performance and if she was on this podcast we'd be getting her ice cream right now all right Todd best actress not a bad choice um my choice is uh, an actress that I think is very underrated uh, and she has been underrated throughout her whole career, and that is uh, Kristen Stewart in Personal Shopper. Not a great movie overall. It is yet another great performance by Kristen Stewart, and uh, Tim Grierson and I both think uh, Kristen Stewart actually gave the best performance by an actress in a leading role in 2017. Well, Tim Grierson said so. Exactly. Because you turned me on to that podcast. Is a great performance, and she should have been nominated for several Oscars by now, but she has not yet, because she, she is still somehow typecast, or not even typecast, just like looked at as Bella, so, but she is a fantastic actress, and my and personal shopper is a great movie, and a great performance, and she should have been nominated. Uh, my best actress that should have been nominated that wasn't is probably the sixth place one that would have gotten in if Meryl Streep wasn't Meryl Streep, and that is Jessica Chastain for Molly's Game. Ooh, that's um, a good choice. Yeah, thank you. Um, it is an amazing uh, performance. Uh, Jessica Chastain proves that she uh, can handle a Sorkin script, which is a uh, feat in itself. Uh, she carries the movie like uh, very few were able to do in, uh, in 2017. And um, this would have been an insanely powerhouse category if you would have added uh, Jessica Chastain to McDormand, Robbie, Hawkins, and Ronan. Um, and I wish we could see it. But um, Jessica Chastain, my pick for who should have been nominated. She was great other she than was. the uh, Kevin Costner scenes. Absolutely. Okay. We should have a whole podcast about that. We, we already talked about it long enough. Okay. Zach, who's going to win? It's going to be Frances McDormand. Todd is going to win. Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand is going to win. She's won everything, and it's going to be a fascinating acceptance speech. We'll see what she ends up saying. She'll, she's Wait, the, the real question is actually who is it going to... Uh, present to her which we have talked about before which we still denzel. don't know we need to get it's some eyes on this though denzel it's not gonna be denzel yeah, it, is. it might be warren Beatty. i'm going with warren what Beatty. they would n- no way no i'm way. going with joel cohen <laughs> yes and ethan it might be spike lee out in the low-key ethan didn't is not gonna be at the oscars spike lee is gonna direct or not even he's gonna announce best actress and best director best best actor George Clooney's gonna present it. I can to, see that. Yeah, can see, that's that's that, that's that approach. <clears throat> Especially knowing who it's gonna be. Um, yeah, one of her former co-stars. Or or William <clears throat> Okay, uh, best actor Zach. Who should win out of Daniel Day Lewis for Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Denzel Washington for Roman J Israel Esquire, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, or Timothy Chalamet for Call Me by Your Name. 
Um, I've not seen Roman J. Israel Esquire, so I can't comment on that. But I will say that if I'm being true to myself, as Polonius says to Hamlet, I have to say Daniel Day-Lewis. Amazing in that movie. Just incredible. Incredible. Better, better, Loki better than his last two Oscar wins. Todd. Um, I think Timothy Chalamet is, I think that is the best performance by anybody in 2017. It is the most natural, most believable, most interesting performance I've ever seen in a movie from 2017. <laughs> All right, my pick for best actor uh, who should win, uh, if I were picking the winners, is uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. Um, I've only seen two of the nominees, uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Gary Oldman, and although Gary Oldman is uh, great, Daniel Kaluuya is absolutely incredible in Get Out. Um, such an understated performance, um, such a quiet, reserved character that finds himself in an unforeseen, unthinkable situation and how he's able to, uh, to deal with it. The scenes where he's, um, where he's sunk in the floor and you see this look on his face is absolutely chilling and how much he's able to act without being able to move a muscle is amazing. So Daniel Kaluuya is my uh, who should win. Um, Zach, who should have been nominated that wasn't for best actor? Well, unfortunately, I cannot nominate an actor from the Florida Project because it didn't really have a lead male performance. But I will say Robert Pattinson, Good Time, should have been nominated. Awesome in that movie. Um, incredible skills. Uh, nails the American accent. Um, Todd, you talked about... Kristen Stewart, I'm talking about Robert Pattinson, they both get typecast, and he was awesome in Get Out, and not Get Out, um, Good Time. Todd, what should have been nominated? Um, well, just so you know, uh, Tim Grusin said his two favorite performances of the year were, uh, Kristen Stewart and Personal Shopper, and Robert Pattinson Get Out, so. Good, good time. time. <laughs> 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 Good time, not Get Out. He should have been in Get Out. He could have played the, the Caleb Landry Jones character pretty well. He could, yeah. But my choice for who should have been nominated is uh, Harry Dean Stanton in Lucky. Yes. Uh, Good call. Uh, not only just because he died, which would have been a really cool uh, posthumous nomination, but uh, it is totally uh, a movie that reminds me of the straight story and stuff like that, where it's just... It's a movie and a performance that will is hard to duplicate, and uh, Harrington Stan is one of the greatest that has ever lived, and he did a fantastic job just uh, in a in a late in a late stage of his life. All right, my pick. Who should have been nominated? By the way, I do agree. Um, I haven't seen it, but I always thought Harry Dean Stanton getting nominated would have been a, a wonderful gesture, and it's great to hear that it was a good performance on top of that. Uh, my pick, uh, Hugh Jackman for Logan. Um, it was his final time donning the claws. It is a, perf um, a character that he has now portrayed in, I think it's nine different films, um, over a... Uh, 17, 18 year span um, it is one possibly outside of maybe Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, one of the more iconic superhero uh, portrayals um, 
of the last, maybe of all time, and it is his best performance as all of them, uh, in in all of them, all the ones that he's done. So uh, Hugh Jackman for Logan, that's who should have been nominated. All right. Um, however, this is another race that is pretty much wrapped up. Zach was gonna win. Uh, not Daniel Kaluuya. It, it would be the greatest moment of all time, but I think it's going to be Gary Oldman. Todd, who's going to win? Uh, Gary Oldman. And yes, it's going to be Gary Oldman. And we're we're kind of dismissing it. Um, it's it's kind of a, a traditional performance. However, Gary Oldman is very much overdue for getting his his first Oscar. So um, it'll it'll be a great sight to see him. Gary Oldman's wife went to bed with Gary Oldman and woke up with Winston Churchill. Yes, that is something that they've said, because he was so into that role. But yeah, best director, Zach. Who should win best director out of these nominees? Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water, Jordan Peele for Get Out, or Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. I think this is a clear um, winner here. Who should win? It's Jordan Peele for Get Out. We've never had an African-American director win Best Director. It's time. Let's do it. Jordan Peele, Best Director. Todd, what do you say? Ditto. It would be it would be pretty great to see that happen. I, again, there's several I would love. I would love to see Greta Gerwig get honored here. Um, however, I'm going to go with... Uh, the overwhelming favorite. Um, Guillermo del Toro put together an amazing uh, film, a visually stunning film all throughout um, in the way he uh, he crafted this uh, this masterpiece of his. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Pan's Labyrinth and this kind of had this uh, this kind of uh, mystical quality that, uh, that that film had as well uh, and I think he he deserves the Oscar he is about to win. So, Zach, who should have been nominated that wasn't? Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Sean Baker for The Florida Project should have been nominated. Pretty awesome. Todd and I had a big debate last night about if the if there were parts of The Florida Project that were filmed on an iPhone. I think there were, and he should win Best Director. He should be nominated for Best Director and should win it. Todd? My answer is... Yeah, it's just actually the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> the Florida Project was we an did. amazing movie, and that was directed unlike any other movie. And I like I, I texted Zach while I was watching the movie that his uh, his uh, production designer and his casting uh, lo- director, his location manager, yeah. should yeah. get raises because yeah. it was amazing. And Sean Baker made it into something absolutely incredible. Terry. Um, who I think should have been nominated Jeez, is uh, the uh, man who directed the best film of the year, and it was criminally overlooked in this category, and it was one of the biggest snubs uh, in in the Oscars this year, and that was Martin McDonough for Three Billboards. Uh, how in the world did he get left out of this? He put together an abs- absolutely masterful uh, film, uh, and he he should have been honored uh, there for making the best uh, best film. So Martin McDonough, Three Billboards. I still need to see the Florida Project, but he should have been nominated. And Zach, I realize you hate this. I don't care. 
Um, He's a good director. I mean, I yeah. like his other movies. This one is also wrapped up. Zach's, Zach, who's going to win Best Director? Guillermo del Toro. Todd. Ditto. Guillermo del Toro. He's going to win. But um, can we talk about how um, The Shape of Water is the same movie as Pan's Labyrinth? Is it? Well, since it's it not, is. I don't think we actually can. It's so not. It's the same movie. Let's move on it's to Best Picture. Movie. Okay. All right. Best Picture. This one's going to be interesting. Um, first off, of the nine nominees, and I will read them for you here in a second, uh, Zach, who's going to win Best Picture out of, or who should win, should sorry, win. who me, should yeah. win Best Picture out of, Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, or Three Billboards? I think this is a clear winner. I think uh, eight of these films don't deserve to win Best Picture. The only one that, that really should get it is Get Out. Clearly the best of those nine films. Even though Loki, Lady Bird, and Call Me By Your Name are actually better movies. But I, I would vote for Get Out. Todd, which would you vote for? Phantom Thread's probably the best movie, but um, no, Get Out absolutely should win Best Picture. It's, it's there's, easy, there's absolutely no hesitation. <laughs> Get Out is winning or should win. Man, that would be amazing if Get Out won. It'd be such a cool moment. Um, but I gotta go with my number one of the year. Three oh billboards should win. Bring it up over and over again, and I really care. Three billboards uh, is the best movie of the year. Three billboards should win Best Picture. However, I'm right there with you guys. Get Out would... I would not be upset if Get Out ended up winning. Um, it's now number 10 on my list but but yeah i i could totally see see get out winning uh as well and i i i would have no problem seeing seeing that be the the winner zach what should have been nominated for best picture that wasn't well that's a real question yeah real real <laughs> wonder here i'm i'm gonna say hounds of love you know hounds of love was a great australian movie um made by the director ben young uh it was Overlooked, and should have been nominated. Todd, what do you think? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the movie that should have been nominated for Best Picture, which um, is not included in the list for Zach because he fell asleep and he still claims to have seen it, is uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. It is the best Star Wars movie since 1980, and it is... A spectacular movie, and Ryan Johnson has completely changed the game for the Star Wars universe, and I cannot wait to see what he does with his uh, new trilogy that he's going to make. Uh, Star Wars Last Jedi should have been nominated for Best Picture. Uh, my pick for what should have been nominated for Best Picture is Detroit. I've already mentioned it a couple times. It's my number two of the year, uh, only call. behind three billboards. Uh, I'm not going to repeat everything I said before, but yeah, absolutely outstanding movie, uh, very moving movie, uh, something definitely uh, worth seeing for everyone. I think it's interesting that your number one of the year is a really racist movie, and your number two movie of the year is a really non-racist movie. Dude, it's not a racist movie. I think both are A movie racist. that has racists in it is does not make it a racist movie. And Detroit, help, yeah, yeah, Detroit is about as racist as you get. All right, um, now here's one of the more interesting questions uh, that we uh, that we are gonna talk about. Zach, what's gonna win Best Picture? Ready for this? Ladybird. All right, 
Todd? Lady Bird. <laughs> We've talked about this before. I'm still sticking with three billboards. It won the BAFTA. I mean, it won the BAFTA. It's won everything. Yeah, but if Laurie Metcalf is winning Best Actress, well, yeah, if 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 your completely ridiculous upsets that you've predicted happen, maybe. Okay, moving on from our from our Oscar uh, our Oscar talk here. Let's get into uh, this uh, episode's power rankings. You can't top that. Yeah, that's the movie about the horse. I'm going to pull an audible at the last minute here. I'm kind of nervous now. Power rankings. Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. Our topic was chosen kind of as a collective last time uh, because uh, we had some unforeseen tie in our our predictions. And (laughs) since we knew we would be recording this podcast in Vegas... We decided to do a power ranking of the top five Vegas movies of all time. And then after we chose that, we realized just how difficult of a category that could end up being as we really struggled to come up with five decent movies that actually took place in Vegas because not that many movies actually take place in Vegas. So we're kind of stretching it a little bit here, but um, top five Vegas movies... um, Oh, before we start this, let, let, we're just going to say up front... You uh, cannot choose Fargo. No, yeah, you can't choose no Fargo. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. I don't think that would be the wrong move. No, what I was going to say is we've, ar- we've already been in, in Vegas for about 36 hours together and have thoroughly discussed our entire lists um, throughout all of our walkings up and down uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. So... We kind of already know what our, our lists are for the most part, but we're still going to go over them for all of you. I Zach, what's it, your number five? I think my number five Vegas movie is a little movie called Showgirls from 1995. Um, Jacques Rivette named it his best <laughs> movie of the 1990s. Ding! And, <laughs> and it's a great movie. I mean, how, you don't get more Vegas than Showgirls. That's all I'm saying. Todd, what's your pick? My number five is uh, High Roller, the Stu Unger story. <laughs> the 2003 true story about uh, the greatest poker player that has ever lived, uh, played by Michael Imperioli. He's a three-time World of Series of Poker winner. Uh, nobody has more wins than that, and he he's won his last one. He won his last one after a seven-year hiatus. Um, he won his first one in 1980. Uh, and he actually, after he won, he needed to get a, his social security number because he grew up in such horrible living conditions in New York that he uh, did not actually have one. And uh, he was because he grew up on the streets. He was a son of a bookie, <laughs> and he needed uh, a social security number to accept his winnings. And uh, he won uh, in the, in the nineteen ninety. World Series, he was found almost dead in his hotel room he died young, from though. a jug overdose. Uh, but he actually got ninth place because he... <laughs> Zach does not believe any of this story because it sounds crazy, but this is why <laughs> they made, a movie, they made a movie about him. He, he, uh, he like, uh, before the last couple days, he has such a monster chip lead that he actually blinded out and still got ninth place in the 1990 World Series poker because he was that far ahead of everybody else. And he won the, the 1990... 
1998 World Series Poker, which was bankrolled by somebody else. He had won $30 million in uh, tournament winnings at that point, and he still had no money to his name at that point. Can we talk about all the prop ups that we made <coughs> on this movie the last 40 hours? <coughs> this is one of the most discussed movies of our, of our Vegas trip so far. By far, the greatest one was, I predicted, that this was number 67 on Todd's list of, what year did this come out? 03. 2003. <coughs> on the button, number 67. It was pretty incredible. We we also said yeah. over under of 973 total votes on IMDb, and both Terry and I said over. And we yep. won. We did. And Stu Unger is the greatest poker player that ever lived, and his story is... Not a great movie, but it's a great Vegas movie. So, that's my number, number five. five. Alright. Number five for me is the 2013 film Now You See Me. Um, I love this first installment. Uh, the second installment is supposed to be terrible. I never saw it. Um, but this first one is so much fun. Uh, this group of illusionists that perform bank robberies and give all the money to their... Um, their crowds uh great movie with jesse eisenberg and uh mark ruffalo woody harrelson isla fisher uh dave franco um really uh really fun um movie that really encapsulates a lot of what uh what vegas is about and kind of the uh the illusion and the the show of it all uh now you see me number five yeah, I thought about doing a top five Nicolas Cage Vegas movies, and then I realized that there weren't five of them. Okay, my number four Vegas movie of all time is The Hangover. A movie that Todd doesn't like that much, but it's a great movie. I think the thing that you got to remember, remember about The Hangover is back in 2010 when it came out, the world did not know Ed Helms and Zach Galifianakis and uh, Bradley Cooper that well. And it was kind of ballsy that, that they cast him in that movie. It's my number four. Todd, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is the Martin Scorsese mini masterpiece Casino from 1995. About uh, Sam Rothstein. Ace Rothstein. Uh, it's a cautionary tale, sort of. Uh, it's a great movie. And it's, it, is a, it, is a, it is a three-hour movie, but it's also uh, a really good movie that earns its three-hour length. It is not a clone of Goodfellas, like most people claim. And it actually, maybe, arguably, uh, has a Joe Pesci's best performance ever. And it's just, it's a movie that feels like Vegas, and it is a great movie and a great Vegas movie. Casino is my number four Vegas movie. I'm almost embarrassed to admit that I have not seen either of the movies you guys just mentioned. I haven't seen Hangover, wow. I haven't seen Casino, it's kind of sad. Wow. Which made this list really hard for me to make. Number four on my list, I had to get a little creative for it, but it's worth mentioning because it's amazing and that is the 1997 classic action film con air um con air the majority of the movie takes place in an airplane as you have nicholas cage's cameron poe being transported from one prison to another uh when uh cyrus the virus played by uh john malkovich hijacks the plane and decides to do what he wants with it so they can escape and get out of prison um, the reason why it's a Vegas movie is the giant finale is the plane crash lands right in the middle of the Vegas Strip. It is glorious in all of its uh, explosions and splendor. Um, such a fun film. 
Um, it's about as 90s of an action movie as you get. Con Air, number four. My number three film is Casino, already mentioned by Todd, but it's very hard to argue with a lot of the points that Todd said. Joe Pesci is unbelievable in that movie. Um, Loki Sharon Stone is really great in that movie. Absolutely deserved a Best Supporting Actress nomination. And when I think Vegas, I think Joe Pesci in Casino. You know? Doesn't get better than that. Todd, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is the Wayne Kramer movie, uh, The Cooler. Which I know Terry doesn't like very much, but I think that it is the coolest, chillest, old school Vegas movie that has ever been made. It's about uh, uh, a guy named Bernie who is the like a guy who is so far down on his luck that he is actually hired to not exactly hired like he is tasked with uh, walking around the casino to uh, spread his bad luck on the patrons of the casino and. Uh, uh, he eventually meets, uh, a cocktail waitress named Natalie, played by Maria Bello, and, uh, his lady luck sort of turns around his, uh, his aura in the casinos, and it's, it's, uh, it's William H. Macy's best performance, it's Maria Bello's best performance, it is Alec Baldwin's best performance, it's Sean Hattesey's best performance, it is a great Vegas movie, and I absolutely love it, and Terry doesn't like it, but I really like it. The Cooler is my number three. Alright. I do like it. I just don't love it. That's that's really where it's at. Okay. Uh, number three for me, Todd's gonna be really mad at me that it's coming up this early. Um, it's a movie I really need to revisit to really uh, appreciate fully. Number three on my list is Leaving Las Vegas. In uh, the film that won Nicolas Cage his Oscar, uh, this is a film about a man who comes to Vegas to drink himself to death. Um, in the process, he meets the prostitute with the heart of gold, played by Elizabeth Shue, um, and she kind of becomes his companion throughout this process. Uh, it It's a very uh, different type of Vegas movie than some of the other ones that we've talked about. But it kind of shows this uh, this dark side to uh, a city that uh, like this. Uh, leaving Las Vegas is is definitely a, a quality movie. And like I said, I need to watch it again because it's been way too long. It, but it's my number three. All right, we're on to number two, right? Mm-hmm. Number two. My number two Vegas movie also happens to be late Leaving Las Vegas. Um, I echo everything that Terry says about it. Um, my favorite scene in Leaving Las Vegas is in the first 10 minutes, and it is when Ben Sanderson is fired. I think it's the, it's the greatest acting I've ever seen in a movie, when Ben Sanderson gets fired. If you watch that scene, which doesn't take place in Las Vegas, but whatever, it's stunning acting, and it's amazing. So, Leaving Las Vegas is my number two, mostly just for that scene. I'm surprised you think it's better than Brave and Ace performance. Uh, my number two is uh, Bugsy, the 1991 movie directed by Barry Levinson about the Bugsy Siegel, the guy who pretty much uh, created what it, we know now as Las Vegas. Um, it's a movie that is uh, it is a rise and fall story of Bugsy Siegel, the man who created Las Vegas. Uh, 
he starts with ambitions and then he finds love he builds an empire and he uh he winds up dead it's a classic rise and fall story and uh the story of Bugsy Siegel is one that is very underrated and one that has not been told enough and Warren Beatty and Annette Bening give some of the best work ever in this movie. It's a great movie about the creation of what we now know as Las Vegas. Bugsy is my number two. Alright. Number two for me is uh, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, 2001 version of Ocean's Eleven. Um, I was actually just thinking about if we were to do this list next year, maybe Ocean's 8, the new female version of it, would make the list. But anyways, Ocean's 11, starring a star-studded cast uh, uh, with George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, and Julia Roberts really at the heart of it, um, about bank robbers and how they break into casinos and rob a, rob a vault on fight night. Um... It's one of those movies uh, that is, it's possibly the most rewatchable movie uh, uh, on my list. It's one of those that's always on TV, and whenever it's on, um, whenever it's on, you have to, you have to watch it. You have to uh, watch at least a scene from it. Um, and there's something to thinking about a movie about Vegas that uh, you have to have a movie that is constantly rewatchable and Ocean's Eleven is that so that's why it's my number two number one number one number one Vegas movie of all time we ready for this go for it Zach my number one Vegas movie of all time is Ocean's Eleven what do you know what can I say about it that Terry hasn't already said um it's it's perfect in basically every way Loki it's like Steven Soderbergh's best movie my favorite scene in Ocean's Eleven is the scene where Carl Reiner is uh, wearing, putting on his clothes, and George Clooney says, "You know, he's like, do you do you know what you're doing? You know, are, are you prepared for this? I, I love the acting in it, and uh, it's Soderbergh's best. Well, it's not Soderbergh. Uh, King of the Hills, Soderbergh's best movie, but this is better than um, Aaron Brockovich or Traffic." Todd, what's your number one? Loki, not Soderbergh's best Vegas movie. My number one of uh, all Vegas movies. You go, go with Ocean's Twelve. Oh no, <laughs> we're not talking about the sequels. Oh, like they didn't. Actual happen. best best scene in the Soderbergh Ocean's movie is when Brad Pitt is eating a sandwich outside the outside the prison. Like that's a good scene. He like that's a great scene. It is. Uh, Leaving Las Vegas is my number one. What a shocker. Uh, yeah, obviously a shocker because it's in my top ten of all time, is a, is, hey, features maybe the best performance ever by an actor in a lead role, which is Nicolas Cage, and, uh, somehow the book is so different, but really good at the same time, it's like 150 minutes of really, or 50, 150 pages of, like, very erotic poetry, and that is sort of how the movie plays, it's like a really poetic like, uh, feel to the movie. It is a beautiful movie. Uh, it's, I mean, as you can see by my list, it's, like, I, my Vegas movies are not exactly uplifting or anything. It, it's very, it's very depressing list, but those are the best movies made about Vegas. Not The Hangover, 
for sure, and not Ocean's Eleven, because that was not great. Uh, Leaving Las Vegas is a great movie, and it is something that I will never forget, and it is one of the uh, only five times that I actually would admit that I cried during a movie. Leaving Las Vegas is my number one biggest movie ever. Alright. Number one on my list is uh, Bugsy, which has already been mentioned. Um, A lot of what Todd said echoes for me as well. Uh, Warren Beatty is amazing in this, um, and as we hear about the man who invented Vegas, basically, uh, great movie, great performances. It's a fascinating story that's worth telling and worth hearing. And possibly the coolest part about this is out of this movie came one of the uh, the best Hollywood couples that still stands, and that's Warren Beatty and Annette Bening. Um, Bugsy, my number one Vegas movie. It actually is Annette Bening's best performance ever. I don't think anyone could actually argue that if they've actually seen the movie, Zach. I think Loki, the Grifter, is Annette Bening's best performance, but she, but in the... Are you Loki, the Grifter? The Grifters. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Alright. We're mo- moving on. Okay. Um, so the, the last part of this exercise is uh, predicting Adam's list. Oh. And, uh, and seeing what we think uh, is going to be on Adam's list, we did ask him to give us his top five Vegas movies. We've been in contact with him throughout our trip uh, as well. But for um, before we do that, we're going to unveil our uh, honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. I, I was skipping yeah, that because yeah. I didn't have any. Um, honorable mentions uh, for the list. Uh, Zach, did you have any honorable mentions? I had several. Okay, go for it. Austin Powers. Oh, good one. I should have put that on my the list. The Godfather Part Two. Diamonds Are Forever. And Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Good choices. Good choices. Okay, uh, mine, Dilly uh, Dilly. the best Steven Soderbergh uh, Vegas movie, Behind the Candelabra. Ooh, good one. Diamonds Are Forever, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Fright Night, the 2011 uh, Colin Farrell. Craig, uh, yeah, Craig Gillespie, Colin Farrell version, and uh, Ocean's Eleven. The one film I'll mention as an honorable mention for me is uh, another Nicolas Cage film, Honeymoon in Vegas. Good call. It's a good one. It's a good one. Okay, so now let's look at what Adam had on his list, uh, and let's see if we can predict uh, his list correctly. Zach, what do you have predicted as Adam's top five Vegas movies? I'm going Ocean's Eleven, Casino, Bugsy, Leaving Las Vegas, and Showgirls. Uh, I go number five, Swingers, even though only the first, like, 30 minutes take place in Vegas. I think that he will consider that a Vegas movie. Uh, number four, The Hangover. Number three, Ocean's Eleven. Number two, Leaving Las Vegas. And number one, Blade Runner 2049. (laughs) Okay. Is that really a Vegas movie? They, and like the last, the, like the Harrison Ford part, that's it, it's probably probably okay. Probably here's my list. No, it is. Here, here's my list for Adam. Number one, Leaving Las Vegas. Number two, Swingers. Number three, Ocean's Eleven. Number four, Now You See Me, and number five, Twenty One. Mm. That's what I'm going oh, with. Mm, that's a good one. That's an interesting. That's an interesting list. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. All right, 
Let's see here. What did Adam have as his top five Vegas movies? Uh, honorable mentions, 21, Con Air, The Hangover, Rush Hour 2, and Vegas Vacation. Uh, number five, Austin Powers. Number four, Swingers. Number three, Ocean's Eleven, the new one. Number two, Rain Man. And number one, Leaving Las Vegas. I should have put Rain Man on my list. That was stupid. I think I won. Uh, I've got so I had two. Th- I had three. I've got three. I've got I three. I got three as well. No, you didn't. You didn't. What? What? I've got Leaving Las Vegas, Ocean's Eleven, and Swingers. I got Swingers, Ocean's Eleven, and Leaving Las Vegas. I've got Leaving Las Vegas number one, and he has a Leaving Las Vegas number one. one. I'm a number two. So I think I win because I've got it ranked higher. So you actually get to pick our next spot. I get to pick our next one. Yeah, Terry. Okay. Very cool. Thank you, Adam. All right. Uh, Let's move on from our power rankings and hop into Oscar trivia. Are you ready? Well, let's hope so gonna beat me every time oscar trivia so oscar trivia is i have a year of oscar nominees and we're gonna see if they can come up with them we're gonna go back and forth and see how they do whoever's got the most points at the end wins but before we do that can we talk about the movies that we watched oh yes we have movies that we need to talk about so it was a tie uh because they both rocked it the last time um, and so they both just pick movies for each other to watch. So, uh, who wants to start in the uh, discussion really, here? I, I'll start, but I really want to hear Todd's opinion. Okay, so, Zach, go ahead and tell us what, uh, what you got. I watched Hump Day, filmed by Lynn Shelton, uh, sort of a milestone movie of the Mumblecore movement. Not that good. Um, I was pretty bored by it. Um, uh, two stars. I, I struggled with it. I, I struggled to pay attention to it. I, I don't want to spoil it, but it was boring. And I, I what I wanted to happen did not happen. That's all I'm going to say. I think what he's saying is the characters and Zach did not like how it ended. I didn't like how it ended at all. Why the F would you watch this movie <laughs> and it ended the way it ended and you feel like, you feel like it was worth watching? It was not worth watching. I, I, I want to hear Todd's opinion. The movie I gave him. Okay, uh, Zach had me watch the uh, Diedrich Brueggemann. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best name of the podcast so far. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Directed Stations of the Cross. It's a movie about a 14-year-old devout Catholic girl uh, going through confirmation, and uh, she believes her only way to go to heaven is uh, th- going through the 14 stations of the cross that Jesus went through on his way to Golgotha. And it is uh, a movie that is not that good. It oh. is, um, it's very over the top in how it actually uh, tries to get across its point. Uh, the only way I can uh, actually describe it when I was when I was thinking about it and when I was watching it, I thought I was watching uh, like the core of season six of Dexter, which, as anybody who has actually seen the show knows, that that is the worst season and the most ridiculous season because Colin Hanks uh, plays a person who is trying to like uh, enact his own religious. Uh, 
vendetta on the world. It it is a uh, that is kind of how I felt about it, and uh, yeah, it's a lot like it's a lot like season six of Dexter. It's not a great movie. <laughs> right. it, it is exactly it's a two and a half star movie for sure, and uh, somehow Zach knew exactly where I put it on my list of <laughs> two thousand and. 15 movies. Yeah, we need to stop guessing Adam's lists and just start guessing Todd's because we're much better at that. We're amazing at it. Touche. Okay. I can see why Zach liked it, but it's really it's not. It's a Zach movie. movie. It's a classic Zach movie, and Todd is completely wrong I don't wrong really about think, it. I think it's, it's a Zach it's a movie. movie. It doesn't really make it's sense. A beautiful movie. Twice in a row, I don't exactly You're know telling why me Zach scene, likes it. The scene it so that much. she's in the library where she's talking to the boy that um, likes her, you, you don't think that's a good scene? It's. Uh, That's a beautiful It's scene. essentially that, an that anthology movie, which doesn't exactly scream Zach, and it's not in French. and German, close enough. It's pretentious, though. It is absolutely pretentious. It's like Zach, and... Um, <laughs> I don't know, the religious fundamentalism and all that is totally Zach, but I don't really think there are enough kids in the movie for Zach to really like it either. No, I, the, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a movie about a 14-year-old. What are you talking about? I mean, it, it's all about a ch- how a, an impressionable child gets corrupted by the cult of religion. Okay, if anyone listens to this podcast and actually thinks that Pump Day is better than Stations of the Cross, I will give you twenty dollars. Like, just 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 call into this I podcast don't count, right now. Obviously, what call, call into this okay. podcast. Okay, there's no way that anyone out there thinks that Hump Day is better than Stations. Okay, of the Cross. Okay, low key, will Terry <laughs> ever watch we're, either we're, of these movies? No, <laughs> that's not low key. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, watch you no. these movies. Let's now let's now look at uh, this uh, this round of Oscar trivia. And for this round, we're going to be talking about the 1983 Oscars. Um, oh. Going through the major categories of the 1983 Oscars. All right, uh, let's see how we do. Uh, since you guys tied, I'm going to pick who goes first this time, and we're going to start. This one with Zach, you're going first. The winner that year was Terms of Endearment. That is correct, Todd. Tender mercies. Correct. Um, oh, I'm I'm so losing this. Eighty three best picture. Yes, that's what we're talking. About. The right stuff. Correct. I'm in the wrong year. <laughs> Anything? Uh, the 1984 movie Places in the Heart. That is wrong. Zach gets the point. Zach, do and, you have any more? I'm going to go with The Big Chill. That is correct. And I'm also going to go with Testament. That is not correct. Okay. So, you get two points. Testament. Uh, the the fifth nominee was The Dresser. Ooh. Oh, The Dresser. The dresser. I actually did yeah. see that. Best Actor, starting with Todd. Robert Duvall. Four. Ten verses. That is correct. He was the winner. Tom Courtney for The Dresser. Correct. Um, uh, it's, um, uh, Albert Finney for The Dresser. Correct. Mm, that was, that was going to be my next one. Um, <sighs> I'm out. Got nothing. All right. Todd gets a point. Todd, can you get the other two for more points? Uh, no. I can't. <laughs> Alright. The other two are Michael Caine for Educating Michael Kine. Oh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. And Tom Conti for Ruben Ruben. Ruben Ruben. Uh, it's a great Tom movie. Tom Conti is an Oscar nominee. 
Alright, so right now the score is 2-1 to one Zach. Best actress going to Zach first. So I'm really curious that Terry has never seen Terms of Endearment. What do you think about that, Todd? Uh, yeah. Terms of Endearment is my number 18 movie of all time, by the way. Not a great pick, but absolutely it's a good disagree. Movie. I, I unapologetically love Terms of Endearment, and Terry's never seen it. Can we just make a commitment right now? Whoever wins this Oscar uh, contest, which you probably will, can the winner choose that Terry watches Terms of Endearment? Yes. Okay. Um, Shirley McLean. Correct. <laughs> Deborah Winger. Zach. Julie Walters in Educating Rita. Correct. You're not going to get the other two. Um, Meryl Streep in Silkwood. Correct. 83? Yeah. That's not 83. Yeah, it's, it, I'm, I'm looking at it right here. Let's focus on the part of the aircraft that's good. It's not you. <laughs> Mary Steenburgen. Incorrect. You didn't even say the movie. <laughs> I didn't know. I would just put her out there. It doesn't matter. You just put her out there. All right. What Todd, if... do you have the last one? Silkwood um, was not an A3 movie. No. That helps me in Best Supporting Actress, though. Um, hey, Zach, what did you say was nominated for Best Picture that wasn't? Oh, Jane Alexander for Testament. That, huh. How did I not get that? I've actually seen that question. movie. I've actually seen that movie. It's a good movie. You were given four stars. It was like his number... Four of eighty-three. So it was good because he gave four stars, and yes. you've actually seen it. I have. And you didn't it's all about it's nuclear all war. It's all about how nuclear it's weapons are bad for humanity. Nuclear war is bad for humanity. That's probably a good call. <laughs> Best supporting actor, Todd. You're first. Um, I think it was Jack. Jack. For uh, uh, the movie that Jack, uh, Zach wouldn't quit talking about. It's my eighteen of all time. John Lithgow for Terms of Endearment. Correct. Um, uh, Tom Berenger for The Big Chill. Incorrect. <laughs> really? Yeah. Not Tom, that. Tom is so shocked right now. Uh, he is. He, he is. is he is blindsided. Stunned. By this. I don't think I've ever seen him so stunned on Oscar. <laughs> he was before. confident with that. All right, Zach gets one <laughs> he's point. Like, he's like looking out the window right <laughs> now, questioning his life. <laughs> All right, Zach, you have a chance to get three extra points here if you can get the other three that were nominated. Kurt Russell and Silkwood? Oh, dude. What the f***? Is he even in that movie? He's not. I don't think he's in that movie. All right. The two you weren't going to... Michael Caine. The two you weren't going to get were Charles Durning in To Be or Not To Be. To Be or Not To Be. Rip Torn in Cross Creek. Cross Creek, we talked about this before. And the That's one, the Mary Steenburgen film I was predicting. And the one that the one that you're gonna hate yourselves for missing, Sam Shepard for the right stuff. Nah, best supporting actress going to Zach first. Uh, Alfred Woodard for uh, Cross Creek. Uh. Correct, but not the winner. Todd, you can get an extra well, point if you give No, 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 wait. We were supposed to do the winner? You always do the winner first. I didn't know that. It's how it's always been. Todd, did you know that? Yeah. Todd, can you get an extra point if you can get the winner? That's... Good. Or or any other nominee. Whoever gets the... If the winner's not given first, whoever gets it gets a, gets a point. That's ridiculous. That's the rule... 
You actually, I think, benefited from that rule one other time previously. <laughs> Todd, so Todd, stop Todd, it. Todd doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Hey, Scotty Todd. doesn't um, know. Um, uh, <laughs> hey, shut up. Glenn Close for the big show? Correct, but not the winner. Todd, it is really fascinating right now that neither of us know the winner from 1983 <laughs> supporting actress. Like, honestly, I can't. I, I don't know at all. I don't. I don't know at all. It either. must. Um, it's not Linda Hunt because that was. Oh my God, who who won best supporting actress in '83? This is so random. <sighs> okay, we already said. I already said Alfred Woodard, which by the way, I should Alfred get extra Woodard, points for extra points for. Going close. Why would you get extra points because for that? Because that's impressive. You wouldn't have gotten that. I said Tom Berenger. <laughs> but he wasn't nominated. <laughs> but that was a good... That was that would have been a good nomination, though. Zach, <laughs> give another nominee. There's three left. Is it Linda Hunt for the year Living Dangerously? That is the winner. You oh. get an extra point. Ooh! Yeah, team. Come on. Linda Hunt is uh, four foot nine. Yeah, I know. They had to give her a little stool when she I won. I, I, I watch NCS LA. Um... She, she's not bad in that show. She's pretty funny. Todd. Um. Oh. Um. Uh. What's her name? You could actually win this. Because I have another Best Supporting Actress nominee that you're not going to get. I don't want to hear it. Um. Not Tom Berenger. It's a big hint. It's a big hint you just gave him right there. Oh, what's her face? Oh, this sucks. This really sucks right now. Um. I honestly don't know which one you're trying to think of. I feel like I should say a random name and say the right movie. That's the problem. <laughs> this is really bad. Just give up. Both of us said say, we're going to make uh, Terry watch Terms of Endearment, so it doesn't matter who wins. I'll say uh, Mary Steenburgen in Cross Creek. That was Best Actress. Well, first off, the Cross Creek nominee was Alfred Woodard. Which and I already said that. No, 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 it wasn't that one. It, it's incorrect. <laughs> no one else from Cross Creek was nominated. That wasn't after Cross Creek though. is Zach, you get another point. Um, can you, you name this? any of the other, either of the other two or both? Sharon Silkwood. Sharon? Um, Sharon Silkwood? Sharon Silkwood. <laughs> <laughs> She's hey, great in that movie. Do you have the other one? Sharon Stone and Sharon Silkwood. Can you give me a hint? No. Um, <laughs> Amy Irving in uh, um, Yentl. Yep. All right, the score is seven to two. Zach, oh, right now. oh, who's winning? But we're getting we're getting into the interesting time, so it um, Todd can easily come back from this. No, he. Um, the uh, action falls not to under Todd first. Uh, best director. Uh, James L. Brooks. Correct. Returns him dear Philip Kaufman for the right stuff. Incorrect. Yeah, Todd he was gets not the point. nominated. How is he not All right, nominated? Because there are Ron four. Howard wasn't nominated. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you're, you're seriously movies? telling me that Philip Coffin wasn't nominated? No, no, he wasn't. Wow. Todd, there are Don't four... ask questions like that up in Wine Crunchy. Todd, you could tie this up if He's you not can come up any. with these four. I, I, I predict that Todd, uh, okay. over under on Todd, predicting <clears throat> this category is one and a half. I only got one. <laughs> no, but... Of, of the other uh, four? Of the other four. Okay. Alright, um... <laughs> this is a horrible category. <laughs> These were horror. This these were bad movies, man. The problem is I don't remember who directed Tender Mercies. I do. Can I say it, Terry? No. Okay. You can if you want to give him the point. Bruce Beresford. That's Did one not. point for you. That Zach just gave you. 
Okay. Um. Plus. Um, Stop talking. No, I want to help him. The dresser. No. Yeah. <laughs> the dresser, man. Come on. I don't remember the director, but I'm not guessing a, he's British. Not a great movie, by the way. I've never seen it. I've pretended that I've seen it before, though. Can I make another Stop guess? Stop talking okay. so he can think. <laughs> Todd, what is the name of the city I live in in Kansas? Uh, Lawrence Kasdan. Yep. Dude, stop giving them hints because they're wrong. That's Doesn't matter. Either way, we're gonna make Terry. Lawrence Kasdan is curiously similar to Lawrence Kansas. Okay, I'm I'm I don't I'm out. Know. You're out. Okay, so you get two points. The Peter Yates for the dresser. Peter um, Yates. What a Mike terrible Nichols director. for Silkwood. Wow, that's a terrible nomination. And that's Ingmar, not a good movie. And Ingmar Bergman for Fanny Alexander, Alexander, which by the way is also nominated at the 1982 Oscars. Quietly, not an 83 movie. No, it's not. The Oscar got All right, one. seven to four, Zach. Best original screenplay. Uh, this one goes to Zach first. I'm going to go with The Big Chill. Uh, nominated, not the winner. Todd, you got a shot. Why, why do we have to name the winner first? Because you got to name the winner first. I've never heard of that uh, one. Tender Mercies. Tender Mercies is the winner. Todd gets an extra point. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, we, you the said dresser. Things, Incorrect. The Talk. dresser is Under wrong. no circumstances is that ever going to be original. Who writes that as an original screenplay? Todd, you get an extra, you get a point and you've got a shot for three more. So what, what, right. what has been said so far? The big, the chill, big chill and tender mercies. Um I would say uh Silkwood? Testament. We'll go with what Todd actually said, which is wrong. Silkwood is right. Okay. So is uh, Fanny and Alexander and oh, War Games. Loki Fanny and Alexander is a great movie. Loki War Games, not so much. No, no, I agree. That's not very good. Adapted screenplay. Todd's first. Terms of Endearment. <sighs> okay. Correct. <laughs> the right stuff. Incorrect. How? What, what the? Okay. Todd gets Honestly, the point. How are you? Are you serious? The right. It wasn't nominated for screenplay or director. Nope. Okay. So, the score is tied. There has only been one adapted screenplay said. Todd, you can get up to four more points if you can name the other four. Cross Creek probably was nominated. I no, it wasn't. No! Mm. How about the one that you just made fun of him for saying in an original screenplay? Um, the Dresser? The Dresser. Yeah. The Dresser. I thought Cross Creek was Along sure. with Educating so Rita. So what's, what's the tiebreaker? Educating Rita. Ruben Ruben. Oh, Ruben. And Betrayal. You were getting four stars that movie. So Betrayal? Betrayal. Who Betrayal. wrote it? Harold, Harold, Harold Pinter. Harold Pinter. Oh, can I get a half point for knowing the screenwriter? No. All right, it is tied, so we got to go to a tie-breaking category. I got your reins. I got your boy. <laughs> Best cinematography. That's our category. Uh, let's see here. Zach is first. The right stuff. Nominated, but not the winner. Todd. But we'll, we'll go, we won't worry about winner right now, uh, because it's a tiebreaker. Todd. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Tender Mercies. Incorrect. Zach wins. Oh my god! I beat you? At like Orthodox Oscar trivia? Yeah. Wow. 83. Wow. Alright, the other four 83 and 84 are very. They're bad years. I, I, I would agree. They're blended together for me. It's bad. Cross the Creek. winner, no. The winner was Fanny and Alexander. Oh. And the other Sven three nominees. Not, not Sven Nyquist. The other three nominees were Flashdance. War Games and Z League. No offense, Todd. I should have won because I predicted. I said Harold Pinter wrote Betrayal. All right, it's time for quote of the day. Strawberries, not the cheese.
Womack, you bastard. Quote of the day. Uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead and go first on your quote of the day. My quote is from the best adapted screenplay winner that I said should have been nominated and wasn't, and that is I, Tanya. There is no such thing as truth. It's bullshit. Huh. Everyone has their own truth, and life just does whatever the fuck huh. it wants. Uh, once again, very Tommy Wiseau level. Uh... <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the line. My favorite line from that is, I know a guy. I shouldn't even be saying his name. Derek. 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 <laughs> All right, I'll go next. <clears throat> my, uh, my quote comes from the classic Vegas film Con Air. As um, Cyrus the Virus, played by John Malkovich, mm-hmm. is uh, hijacking the airplane, he goes up to the cockpit and goes to the pilot, and he says, And if you say a word about this over the radio, the next wings you see will belong to the flies buzzing over your rotting corpse. That's my... That's a great that's a, it's quote. It's a good one. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, and and, and I, I was trying kind of for a Malkovich impression. I heard it at the very end of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my quote comes from uh, one of the best Vegas movies ever, uh, the Stu Unger story. Uh, Which ranked number 67 in your 03 list? Uh, not a great movie, great Vegas movie. Uh, this is a... Um, Quote that is very relevant to every poker player, especially Zachary Salt, uh, when he's playing poker. Uh, w- talking to the dealer, uh, Stu Unger says, Why don't you just f***ing kiss me, okay? Because you've been f***ing me all night anyway. I feel like that's been a line in several movies. Alright, I think one thing has been established tonight. Loki. We, should, we should never record a podcast in the same room again. <laughs> No, this is this is fun. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for listening. If you are still listening to the Almost Sideways podcast, uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Find us all over the internet, and we will be coming to you in a couple weeks after the Oscars. We'll talk a little bit about uh, what actually happened at the ceremony then. Uh, but until then, uh, have a wonderful time at the movies and listen to the Red and Brown podcast. Yes, listen to the Red and Brown podcast. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.